Well, well done for coming back. I know um, I said last week that we're going to be talking about pride and flesh and, and, and death. Well, at least killing those things. So, you know, we, <coughs> well done on being here. I am pleased. <laughs> I, I know we've lost a few Iowa students, but we've got Taylor for a few more weeks. Um, so, just so you know what's happening, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about pride, a bit about the flesh tonight. Um, next Sunday is, is, is first Sunday of the month, so we'll have worship and do some ministry. We'll see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. That's just time we open up for him. Um, and then the, the last Sunday before Taylor students, you all leave us. Uh, I'm going to be talking about false humility, religious humility, shallow humility. So that'll be a great one to finish on. <laughs> um, but I, I am really, I'm really excited. I, I, I have such a sense of freedom that Jesus wants to bring. Um, I, I've, I've sensed as I've been preparing for these next two weeks um, that there's, there's, there's some of us who have been struggling with, with sin for a while. You know, repetitive sin, which we struggle to break. And I really believe that freedom from that sin is going to be a byproduct of stepping into humility. Um, I might try and make sense of that tonight or in two weeks. Um, But I I just I sense this this, this freedom that he's offering us. Uh, so, So have hope, as Kristen has just said as well. Um, so, in, in, in uh, sermons gone by, uh, I've, I've shared positive stories from my visit to Asbury. Um, I've only shared my kind of negative story with, with my staff, um, just because it's a little embarrassing. Um, but I guess, because I'm talking on pride, and Matt's not here to insult, um, <laughs> I better talk about myself. Um, so. If any of you went to Asbury, you know, I'm sure you had an amazing time. Um, you've heard me say that I stood in line for, I don't know, seven and a half hours. It was a long time to be standing. Um, but, you know, you just know God wants you to do it. So um, we were standing and, you know, so we're from eight o'clock in the morning and about 2.30 in the afternoon, we we're about halfway to the, to the chapel. Um, and... You know, I'm South African, um, South African English, I'm very good at lining up, you know. America's not so good about lining up, but in this case, actually, America's doing a really good job, you know. <laughs> Everyone being faithful. And then, one of the most irritating things happened that I could possibly imagine. Some really enthusiastic Christians started praying for people. You know, why would they do that? Because it's all very well for the people that they're praying for, but the line stopped. And this gap started to open up. And you know, you know someone's going to step into that gap who hasn't been waiting for six hours. And it was so funny, because I know it wasn't just me, but do we, do we move forward? Do we go around the people who are getting prayer? Can we leave them? Will they come back to their space? What's the right thing to do? Do we just stay here and, and pretend that we're really peaceful, but we're really worried about this gap that's emerging? 
And you know what happened? A woman cut into the line. And then she started to phone her entire family. And all of these people started to flood the gap, cutting into the line after six hours. I was, I was struggling. <laughs> I was such a bad Christian. So um, the line keeps moving. And actually, most of this woman's family leave. I don't know why. Maybe they just thought it was the right thing to do or God was calling them somewhere else. But the lady stayed. And then the lines closed, and then she was right in front of me because um, I was at the front of that line. And, um, and as you got closer and closer to the, to the church, you could feel the Holy Spirit. It was really amazing, just moving over the crowds. It was like he, was, like he is the wind, as Jesus said. You know, you'd feel him and feel this peace. And people would worship, and then, it, and then you'd feel it again. And, and then we get like, right to the turnstile, like where they're directing us into the, the chapel, and then the pastor inside starts to preach. And, um, and he talks about what God has been doing and the main values that they've had installed in them by the Holy Spirit. And of course he says the most important thing that they've seen is humility. And then just to really rub my face at it, he said, the surest sign of humility is to do everything you can to get others before the feet of Jesus before you. And then I really felt like a terrible Christian. Shocking. So I had to read Andrew Murray's book. (laughs) I was so embarrassed. Fortunately, then he said, pray for each other. And it was really interesting because the, you know, the more frustrated I'd got and the more I was kind of turned up inside um, by how pathetic I was being, um, the, the less I was sensing the Spirit's presence. And then this pastor said to pray, and so of course I had to go pray for this woman because I, was, I had to, that just seemed the right thing to do. And so I, I prayed for her. And as soon as, as soon as I laid my hands on her, the the power of the Spirit was just amazing, just His presence. And His peace returned. And His joy returned. And I, I realized that even if I had been thinking about surrender and humility and such things for months, there was still a bit of work for the Lord to do. And I realized how um, in that moment, how insidious <laughs> pride in the flesh is. When we think we, we've got it under control, which is a really bad thing to think because you'll never have it under control. Um, when you think maybe we don't have it or it's not an issue, the Lord will find an opportunity to illustrate <laughs> this to us, that it is still an issue in our lives. Um, and honestly, you know, when, when, when I felt the Lord saying, speak on humility, I thought... You know, Lord, we're we really tired. It's the end of the semester. Like, can, can we talk about something fun? This is a painful topic. Um, and I, and I, felt, I felt the Lord saying, um, actually, I think because you're tired, you might be more willing to give stuff up to me. You might be a little bit more willing to be broken. And that might just be me. That might apply to more of us. Um... But, you know, pride, pride's one of those things 
that it's, it's quite hard to preach on because we all know pride is bad, don't we? We all know it's a sin. Don't we, son? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a sin. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 10, 12, pride is the beginning of sin. And we know it's pride that causes Satan to fall. And we know that it's pride that causes the fall when Adam and Eve want to be like God. It is the beginning of sin. And when we look around, um, around us at the world, the, like the world is just it's saturated with pride. Absolutely saturated with pride. Um, gosh, and there's so many ways I could take that statement. But obviously, there's, there's still the classic pride. There's the wanting to be superior. There's the wanting to be rich. There's the ability to look down on those who are less educated or less wealthy than us or live in a poorer suburb. Or, you know, there's those sort of normal prides. But there's, there's just these new ways, and this will be something I'll have to do at another time, but you know, we're living in a world where truth is increasingly something that doesn't exist. And so we can create our own truths even have, and have pride in those. And we diminish each other just by the, the thoughts that we think and the words that come out of our mouths. And as Christians, we're just as likely to do that as anyone else. Like we just, it's, it's such a temptation for us. Pride saturates us, or at least the world around us. And um, So I know if I say, is pride evil? You say, yes, it's evil. You know, it's bad. We don't want it. Um, but, but we need to examine our hearts and we, we need to press into it. So Andrew Murray in his book says that pride must die in us or nothing of heaven will live in us. It must die. You know, and death, I said last week that talking about being nothing and emptying ourselves is challenging enough, but like the, the, the idea of dying it's not a comfortable idea, is it? But Jacob, you know this, that Jesus calls us to die to self. Yeah, it's one of those nice Christian phrases we might say, but we might be a little uncomfortable if we really start to think about what it means. So we go to humility because humility is the opposite of pride. And this was the definition of one of them I gave last week. Simply, humility is simply the sense of entire nothingness, which comes when we see how truly God is all and in which we make our way for God to be all. And this phrase, when we truly see how God is all. So, um, I, I, I'm going to say a few more things about pride, obviously, um, and pride is bad, and it's easy to paint that picture, um, but I, I don't want you to not pursue pride because it's bad. I, I, want, I want you to pursue Jesus. And so that desire to pursue Jesus means that everything that gets in the way needs to be cut off. 
And, and, and if we have that mindset, if we, if we get that vision of Jesus, if we are able to say that God is truly all, He is all, then the idea of dying actually is quite attractive. And this is the, the, the real irony, or the, maybe paradox is a better word, the real paradox of humility. And I said this last week, but again, I'm going to say this over and over again. The more that we give up ourselves because we realize God is all, the more life and the more freedom and the more peace and the more joy we will have. The less of us, the more of God, the better our life is, the more freedom we will have. And that actually becomes intoxicating. That's a drug you can pursue, Taylor students. Okay, it's not on the LTC. We can pursue Jesus. And so, you know, I've, I've talked about, and then, you know, my, my amazing experience at Asbury was, despite the fact that I was absolutely a schmuck before I got into the building, when I got in there, all I encountered was Jesus' absolute, absolute, unconditional love. That love that says there is nothing that you have ever done, there is nothing that you will ever do that will stop me loving you. I don't care. My blood has set you free. And in that moment, I fell so deeply in love with him again. The first time I saw Jesus, he, he showed me what he does to sin and how powerless it is against him. And that transformed me. And this was even deeper than that because it was taking that idea of love and actually placing it straight into me. It wasn't just revealing the power of his love. It was showing me the intimacy of his love that was for me. Hey, and to be truly loved is to be truly free. And so as I talk about pride and dying, don't think about what it might cost you. Think about what it will win you. Okay, what will it win you? So let me just read our scripture for this series, which I read last week. I'm not going to talk too much about it, but it has to be in our minds. Have this mind among you. This is Philippians 2 from verse 5, sorry. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's yours. You can have it. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this mind that was in Christ is available to us, Paul says, and this model that Jesus presents is one of giving up everything to die to be exalted. In Romans 6, Paul says that we are baptized into Jesus' death. I guess it's our salvation. We are baptized into death. It's by death that we are raised with Christ as we come out of the water. Our life begins with our death. 
So if the idea of dying to self doesn't appeal, then we have a problem with our faith. Because if you believe in Jesus, you did that. But obviously, as Paul says in Romans 6, 7, and 8, we still have a problem because we still wrestle with the flesh. And we still wrestle with pride. And Paul says in Romans 8, verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So forgive this language, it's a little bit old. Um, This is from William Law, and he wrote this in the 18th century. Pride and humility are the two master powers, the two kingdoms in strife for the eternal possession of man. There is but one humility, and this is the humility of Christ. Pride and self have the all of man, till man has his all from Christ. Pride and self have the all of man, till man has his all from Christ. And I spoke last week about how Jesus is our model. I, 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 I spoke about how we can have this idea that if we die to self, if we become nothing, that we somehow become passive kind of guinea pigs for the Lord, which is so far from the truth. We become agents of his kingdom. But we become men and women who know our Father and know our Savior. When we look at Jesus as our model, just to reiterate this, there are these curious, there's a couple of times in Scripture where Jesus actually, he has the opportunity to be very human. So he has come from heaven, he has died, he has given up everything, and he is on earth, and he knows the plan. And he is given the chance, the crowd wants to make him king after he's fed the 5,000. He has this moment where pride or the flesh could have reared up at him, and he he could have said, you know what, I don't want to die. These people are basically a bunch of losers, why would I die for them? None of us think that he made the wrong choice, do we? when he decided not to do that, when he chose to humble himself, when he chose to push away the praises of man, when he chose to still be obedient to the Father. We don't think he was somehow lesser, we think he was greater, that he puts everything aside for the will of the Father. Humility will never diminish us Humility will never diminish us. Unfortunately, it will diminish us in the eyes of man. Quite likely. But we have to really not care what man thinks. We have to not fear man. The fear of man is pride. And if we truly want humility, it will expose our flesh's desire to be liked, our flesh's desire to be successful. It will reveal the competition in our souls because the spirit and the flesh are always in opposition and pride and humility are always in opposition. And that's where it gets a bit difficult because we have to be willing to say, Lord, I give up pride, I give up my flesh. 
I want you more than anything. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew 20, just to quote one of the ones I read last week, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There's this, there's this really, um, I think, kind of worrying line in, in John 5, 44. And this is touching on the fear of man and whether we were privileged man over God. Jesus is criticizing the, the Pharisees and the, the teachers of the law. And he says to them, you cannot believe who seek the honor of man. It's one of those things Jesus just says, and it's really scary. It's like, you, if you pursue the honor of men, if you seek the praise of men, if you fear man and you want man's praise over mine, if you seek the honor of men, you cannot believe in me. It's kind of an astounding statement. And, and the opposite, well, it works the other way as well, that if we believe in Jesus, if we pursue Jesus, if we humble ourselves before Jesus, then the praise of man will become nothing to us. And the desire of the approval of man will become nothing to us. If we look at Luke 22, verse 26, I just want to say that we're in, if we struggle with humility, we're in kind of good company. We know in the Last Supper, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. One of the most amazing things that he does. He's such an incredible example of, of service. And he says this in 22, Luke 22, verse 26 and 27. Because his disciples have decided to argue about who is the greatest. But not so among you. On the contrary, who, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table, or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. So to picture the scene of Jesus, his final meal with the disciples, the people he's been training for three years, He's literally just washed their feet and given them a lesson in humility. And then at supper, they decide to have a discussion about who's the greatest. Like they completely missed everything. Which can make us feel a little bit better about ourselves. Okay? They miss everything. So Jesus gives this kind of gentle rebuke. Like this is the way, remember? This is the way? I just washed your feet. <laughs> But I wonder how kind of depressed he might have felt. It's like, gosh, they still haven't got it. But he knows one thing is about to happen. The one thing that he couldn't do while he was still on earth. And that is that his spirit was going to be given. And it's one thing to have Jesus around you. It's one thing to have Jesus giving you examples of things. It's another thing to have Jesus inside you. And that's one thing that we do have. We have the spirit. And the thing, with, um, the thing with pride is that it is quite possible, it's quite possible that the Holy Spirit is capable 
of just ripping pride out of us. And that's awesome. Like when the, when the Lord does quick surgery, love that. You know, easy way forward. Um, I'm, I'm curious, and you don't have to put up your hands, but I'm curious how many of you have actually prayed for humility? Okay. Like, it's a dangerous prayer, isn't it? Word of wisdom. If you pray for humility and the Lord gives you easy opportunities, take those. Okay? Don't wait for the hard ones. <laughs> but, you know, to, to pray, Lord, take away my pride, or Lord, can I have your humility, it's not something we pray about a lot in the church. It's not something you have a lot of sermon series on. Because it is uncomfortable, it is difficult. It does seem like a dangerous prayer. But Jesus gives us his spirit. And we can pursue humility and we can rely on the spirit. Um, and this, this, is what I've, this is what I've felt so much since Asbury. You know, and it's, it's been a legacy it's been part of my life and I'm sure part of all of our lives. So it just seems like he's, he's raising the bar a little bit at the moment, which is awesome. Is that if we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us into humility, when I say be faithful in the small things, what I've noticed is his desire to, to just be in the everyday. And so if I have a conversation with someone and I say something stupid or harsh, he will say, wow, that was weird, why did you say that? Well, if I react to someone, he'll say, well, why are you reacting like that? And he might point out pride, or he might point out fear. And in those moments, he's giving me the opportunity to confess and say, yeah, you're right, I'm sorry. And it might involve me saying, Lord, why? Where did that come from? Where does that come from? Is there a root? You know, and, and just to listen. But I've, just, I've noticed he, 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 this desire of his to partner with us and to walk with us and just to connect with us. And that's a beautiful way to, to step into humility and to have pride broken. Because he's not having to crush us with, you know, with something really big you know, to break us. But it's about us just partnering with him. And the joy of that, that as we partner with him, we are hearing his voice. We're hearing the voice of our Father. We're increasing in intimacy with him. We're becoming more like Jesus. And that is such a beautiful thing. Andrew Murray, again, when he's talking about pride and about the church, he says, for so many Christians, the promises of the gospel, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, these incredible things that Jesus says, they're like, they're like clothes inside a shop window. And we see them. We believe that they're true because we see them and we read about them in Scripture. They're there. But we reach out to try and touch them or get them, and there's this pane of glass that hits us. And we, and we can't reach them. And that pane of glass is pride. It stops us accessing the promises of the Lord because this is in opposition to his spirit. And so he says, pursue humility. And I'll finish with this, this thought. Um, I haven't gone into a lot of detail about the way pride manifests. There are so many. Um, but I just sense the Lord wants us to focus on a few next time. Okay, so I'm going to bring in more details. Um, but bear this in mind about humility. It sounds, it sounds again a little bit like a paradox. Um, you have to ask for it. Okay. But you can't strive your way to humility. 
Humility, by definition, has to fight against pride and against your flesh. So you can't flesh your way, you can't strive your way, you can't make yourself humble. Okay. You cannot be the engineer of your humility. Okay. But, as I've just said, you can partner with the Lord. So you can't strive your way there, you can't make it happen, but you can position yourself and say, Lord, teach me. Holy Spirit, lead me. All right, so it's not striving, it's partnering. Not striving, being obedient. I mentioned last week um, that I couldn't read Andrew Murray's book for like three weeks. Um, and, and then I read the back cover and I still couldn't read it, but there was a promise there that was intoxicating to me. And so, um, I know we all have different personalities, we all have different experiences, we all have different sin patterns, yeah, we're all different. For me, um, fear of man has been a, a, a huge thing in my life. And I've spoken about that before in history and why, why that's been an issue in my life. But even when I kind of get healthy in that regard and not scared about people, it, it flips over and then I want recognition. I want to be noticed. You know, I went to a really amazing conference this last week, um, full of amazing Christian men and women um, talking about amazing things. And, you know, and I, I want to be there. I want to be on the stage. I want to be talking. I'm more intelligent than half those people. You know? Those are the things that can flip through my head. And the, and the thing that was so intoxicating for me in Murray's book when you're describing true humility was this idea that the ideas of people become absolutely powerless. And, and that to me felt like freedom. And he talked about knowing the calm of God no matter the storms of life around me. And I've been in times where my life has been a storm. And that feels like freedom to me. And I wanted to give some time tonight for us to, to pray. The thing with pride is we'll be different for each of us. But this is the reality of humility. If I am nothing, then there's nothing to boast in. If I am nothing, then there's nothing for people to reject. If I am nothing, then the words and the looks and the ideas and the accusations and the critical words of man mean nothing to me. And in all of this nothingness, I am the greatest me that I ever could be. Because I am his. I'm his son. And so Kristen is going to help me, and we're going to pray and see what the Lord wants to do. But I want to just give the Lord a little bit of time to speak to us. And I want us to ask him two questions. The first, Lord, is there any pride in me that I don't see? Is there any pride in me that you want to heal, to remove, 
that you want to go after. Okay. So first question to ask him. And the second question, and this is just between you and the Lord. I want you, I want you to ask, to what extent do you know how wonderfully loved and precious you are to him? It's really hard to pursue humility if you don't have a vision of Jesus' love. So I'm not going to ask you to stand up and say what the answer he gives you, but I just want you to ask those questions. And even asking that question is opening up our hearts to the Lord to move. And we're going to pray that he does. So let's pray together. Jesus, will you show us if there is any pride in us that you want to expose tonight? Or is there any way that, um, that the flesh or fear is playing out in our lives? Would you reveal that tonight, Jesus? And Lord, I, I pray to you that you would speak into the depths of our souls and our spirits. About how much more of you there is to see. Lord, whether it is love or whether it's compassion, whether it is peace or joy, would you give of yourself and give of your spirit and of your kingdom tonight? Lord, will you increase our awareness of you Come, Holy Spirit.
One of the great, amazing attributes of Jesus is that he says that he is meek and lowly. So when he speaks into our hearts and when he convicts us, he does it with gentleness. Not with condemnation. It's his love that draws us. So we can go before him with confidence. Confidence that he holds our hearts. That his desire is only to bring freedom. So I just want to lead us in a prayer of of repentance and rebuke. Jesus gives us authority. He gives us his authority to pray. And I sense him wanting us to do just a little bit of warfare here. Warfare begins on our on our knees in that posture of humility, even if it's just figurative. That Jesus, would you forgive us? Would you forgive us for walking in pride? Would you forgive us for making decisions based on what people would think over above your will? forgive us for seeking the honor of men. I'm going to talk about this more in two weeks. But Lord, would you forgive us too where we have lived under, the, under that lie. We've agreed with the lie of false humility. Where we have refused to believe how precious we are to you. And how forgiven we are by you. And if the Lord has said anything else to you, you can just give that to him in your heart. Jesus, we, we repent of all these things. And we receive your forgiveness. 
We receive your blood that cleanses us. That that sin is washed away. And Jesus, in the power and the authority of your name, we pray against pride, the ways that it manifests in our flesh. I pray against fear and control. In the name of Jesus. We bind you and rebuke you off our lives. Jesus, will you bring peace? Lord, will you increasingly give us a vision of humility? It's like dew falling from heaven, refreshing us. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We give you all honor and glory. The king who died. The one who was raised. In Jesus' name.